And guys, we're back. Hey! That was a great start. Yeah. It was different. It wasn't Adam. I know. This is Daniel. Hi, guys. Welcome. And what are we going to talk about today? Moneyball. Yes. Great movie. Adam's sitting there in silence. I know exactly what he's doing. What am I doing? Before we started the show, Adam told Daniel... That if anything goes wrong today, it's on him. So he's just not going to talk. Oh, so I got to fill in like the dead silence. The worst thing you could ever do on broadcast. Oh, I don't do that very well. So don't worry, buddy. Thank you, Adrian Ma, for the advice at Ryerson Journalism. (laughs) Still shouting out Ryerson. We're not even going to school anymore. I know. I'm starting to miss it, guys. Like, don't you miss it? Like, we, we think about the morning grind and now we're like, oh, wait, suddenly it's not there. Suddenly, we're wearing sweatpants more than we should. It's crazy. I haven't. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm okay, okay with being locked in my room. It's fine to me. Well, you got, you got your Lego. You got your Lego, man. Man, my Lego's all built, man. I got the, the Falcon, my two walkers, um, Luke's sand speeder, the little train I got. Like they're all over there, man. So and they're have, still protected. So you have there. nothing else to build. No, no I'm gonna save up my money. Because there is a 4,000-piece Imperial Star Destroyer that I would like to get for my 21st birthday. Oh, and I'm not going to say the price, even though you can look it up uh, on lego.com. That's so if you guys want to submit no. for my 21st birthday, I appreciate it. That That's might true. be a hard hey. no from me. We'll send mm-hmm. positive vibes. Yes. Well, of course. Yeah. Always positive vibes here at the 2-on-1 podcast. It's a hockey podcast. It's a hockey podcast. Okay, why don't we get started? For sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so... I guess who wants to go first? What was your first opinion on the movie? What did you guys like about it? I loved the movie. I I wanted Adam to watch this movie in particular, and I know it's a little um I guess it's a little bit different than what happened in real life or kind of different from the book which I haven't read yet. I'm dying uh-huh. to read the book. When this is all over, I'm going to Indigo and buying this book. But I wanted Adam to watch this movie because it's all about statistics, and I know, <laughs> and I know Adam. He said he t- says he he likes this statistics. I don't think he does because every time I bring it up, he he just <laughs> skips right past it. But I yeah. enjoyed it because you know the number one, the cast is good. I mean. I can list the first three people that come to my head, and that alone is good enough. Uh, Chris <laughs> Pratt, Brad Pitt, and Jonah Hill. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour mm-hmm. Hoffman, yeah. Great. Right, so like that, I guess from a movie standpoint, I think it's it's pretty good. I just love this. I, lo- I love the story. I think it gets people... Well, for me, at least, it got me really thinking about, okay, how does this apply to other sports? Mm-hmm. Um, is what they were doing necessarily, does it work? So it, it, it was a movie, I think, that not a lot of movies do. I think documentaries get you to think a lot. I don't know how many movies I've watched that really got me thinking the way that this movie has. Adam, what is your opinion? First of all, I feel like I should make my stance on analytics quite clear here. Listen. Okay. 
I respect analytics, and I know they have a place in the game. However, I don't rely on them 100%. I don't need a spreadsheet to tell me that Brendan Gallagher is a bastard to play against, and I love him, right? Um, but again, like, I, I understand where they're needed, and I think some analytics are a bit like, man, do we really care about that? And I noticed on the doc there's something about overrated advanced stats, which I'm sure we're going to look at. Like, high danger save percentage. What? Like, shut up. You can't determine that. But anyway, I looked at Moneyball, and I, I looked at it more as just a movie, and I can't – I'm not going to lie to you guys. I loved this movie. Not just as a sports thing, but as the story itself. I thought it was fantastic. Like you, Alex, I love the cast. Um, it's always a joy to see Jonah Hill do something more serious, even though I was just waiting for him to make a joke. And him being more of this, like, the analytic, more shy fellow, I really liked that. Um, I don't like Brad Pitt as a person, but as an actor, he's fantastic. And he did such a good job playing, um, what's his name? Billy. Billy Bean. Billy Bean. Billy Bean, yeah. Um, I'm and I'm not a massive baseball guy. I've been to one Jays game in my life and I hated it. But um, and also Philip Seymour Hoffman's always a joy to watch in these movies. So and Chris Pratt is just such a darling in uh, in Hollywood and just whatever he plays is kind of like more like soft spoken characters. I love him. I love Star Lord, but he was <laughs> he was good in this movie too. He just uh, he steals the scenes and even though he's not the biggest presence of a character, so. Um, yeah, I love I love the movie. I honestly, yeah, I, I rewatched it again today. Um, I normally don't watch rewatch movies, so it was a good sign. And I, I don't want to say it's my favorite movie of all time yet, but oh boy, it's I think wow. if, if this oh. stands the test of time, it's going to give Jurassic the original Jurassic Park a run for its money in my I mind. But I I, I, so I love I loved the movie. I really did. I'm so proud oh, I'm of so myself. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the recommendation, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I had it because the reason I suggested it so obviously we're in <coughs> quarantine um, or we're in lockdown whatever you want to call it and it was it, it, it had been on Netflix a while back and and then it had gone taken off Canadian Netflix and then I noticed it again recently I'm like oh, you know what I'm going to add this to my list I have lots of time on my hands because I'm doing nothing most of the day. Um, so why don't I give this movie a watch? And I watched it. I'm like, man, like not only is it good sports, like, and I, I feel like I'm just saying this again, but not only is it good from a sports perspective to think about, but like just in general. Uh -huh. Just in general, it's a good movie. I, I have one thing I have to ask Daniel to see if he point, if, if you noticed it. Okay. Okay. So it's it's one of it's one of the uh, I think earlier scenes when I believe he called Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mark Shapiro. Mark Shapiro. I as soon as he said Mark Shapiro, I'm like Mark Shapiro, like that guy is in Toronto. That was yeah. my first reaction. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I I noticed it right away. Um, I I was talking to Adam about it before. I'm like, I don't know if Adam's gonna notice it, but I'm gonna see if he noticed it. Did you notice the it, Adam? Out for sure. The name stood out. Okay. I thought that was cool. Yeah. The, the, he was pretty spot on. Like the actors, like his mannerisms were really on point as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh -oh. That's that's the only thing I wanted to point out. That was kind of funny, for me. Yeah. For me, it's like two perspectives. I watched this movie when it first came out, and I was mostly just a hockey and a basketball guy. 
mostly like hockey and I was just like, okay, yeah, it's a fun movie. It's pretty cool. Um, I already knew like that whole thing with the stats was on the rise, but it wasn't as big as it is today. Right. Um, I guess like maybe for the sports people within sports, but not for us like fans. Um, so I just kind of like the kind of just didn't really think of it. But then as like, I got older, watched it again, kind of realized like, man, like two things, I'm a big baseball fan now. And second, it's just, it's things that make you really think like, okay, these are how you value a lot of players and just like, like other questions too, kind of not even from the stats perspective, but uh, what I kind of felt was the whole salary cap thing. Like they were comparing like the Oakland athletics at the beginning of the, uh, the championship series against the Yankees. They had like 34 million on their salary cap. And then the Yankees spent like 144 million. Right. So it was just kind of things that made me think about not just for hockey, but what we're going to talk about later was how it applies to like other sports to the whole thing about salary caps, hard and soft, luxury taxes, um, really how to make like the league fair, like what's really fair. And also to yeah, player analysis, that's something that really interested me like this time around. Right. So would you say this movie got you into baseball? Is that what you're saying? Or did I misunderstand that? Um, like watching it again yeah. kind of reinforced why I like baseball. Okay. But it was always in the back of my mind. Like I remember when this movie first came out, everyone talked about Billy Bean. Um, I remember there was this running joke. Okay. So, uh, it, Billy Bean's the one who traded Josh Donaldson to the Toronto Blue Jays. Really? And I, yes. And <clears throat> like, it looks kind of fair now what the deal went. It was like, Brett Laurie and like three prospects for Josh Donaldson. And then people were laughing when like Donaldson won the MVP 2015. They're like, I will never watch Moneyball the same way. When I found out Billy Bean traded Josh Donaldson like that at the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it worked out. Like like the main guy they got in those trades, like the athletics, like they're, they're not Donaldson level, but they're pretty solid guys. It feels like there was actually there's a bit of slap in the, slap in the face stuff, like retrospectively looking at this movie. So of course, the oh so Oakland had that twenty game win streak, right? I was looking it up. So what's really funny is that the Indians in twenty seventeen had a twenty two game streak, yeah. which is where Jonah Hill's character came from. And then two years after Buddy turns down the contract, or Billy Bean turns out the contract uh, to go to the Red Sox. Using his model, two years later they win. I was, yeah. I was looking at this and I'm like, "Damn, this sucks!" Like, is everything? Like, and they still haven't won to this day. Obviously, have Oakland, right? But it, it just there was so much. I'm like, "Wow, you guys, uh, you changed the game." But oh boy, you have just not gotten the payoff for it. For sure. Yeah. Like, no, go ahead, Daniel. Oh, what I kind of felt was, at first, like when I first watched this movie, I kind of felt like Billy Bean was like this guy that like just the model executive kind of thing but i think i told you like as i got into more baseball and saw i guess like the business side of it or what he kind of had to deal with um <clears throat> one recent thing was like kyler murray he just he drafted him ninth overall the guy signed so there's no compensation pick right but they let him go back to college but then he's like hey guys i'm going to the nfl i'm not playing for the mlb so you just lost the ninth overall pick and i guess like something like another thing people kind of criticize billy bean for making that like top 10 pick but you know in hindsight it's like a business thing he like he knows how to roll with it know how to roll with, like these things that come up 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and, and I guess this was kind of what I was going to br- bring up bring up from Adam's point is like you look at every team in the league, and yeah, you know what the Boston Red Sox won using their model somewhat. It, that that's kind of how they explained it in the movie, right? So, yeah. but they also had a lot more money to work with. Yeah, that's the thing is like, and, and I guess that was kind of a discussion we were going to get into eventually. Is the model that whether it were whether you think it works or not all there's so many there's there's multiple variables to think of and one of the and for me like my opinion looking at all this is i think one of the bigger ones is the amount of money you can you you can work with where the oakland athletics were working with 40 million dollars yeah the boston red sox are working with what over 100 million dollars at least what was the stat? I think I, I have it here. Um, that when he's meeting with the Red Sox guy at the end, how he points out that that season they had, that the Oakland Athletics, sorry, Oakland Athletics, yes. yeah, sorry, ended up paying. If you break down them, I think it was the Yankees were like a million per win plus. When with Oakland strategy it was two hundred sixty hundred thousand, sorry, two hundred sixty thousand dollars per win. Like a fourth the Yankees did. It's incredible to look at. Yeah. Again, I know a lot has changed now because, like, there's pitchers now getting thirty million a year, which is like like Garrett Cole. But yeah, it's crazy to like think of even that that like not even that long ago, like the two thousands. You worked around that budget. You know what's the the funniest thing to me is so this is so what it would been a, around 2000 2002 he gets the original deal from the Red Sox that here we are in what was it 2017 was that when McDavid got his contract uh, so I believe so so here as we are we're at the beginning of the 2000s the start of the new millennia and the probably what the richest or second richest team in baseball can give a general manager twelve point five million dollars, right? While in the NHL, the best player in the world, I want to get, I know it's in twelve, but I want to get the exact number here, just to put in perspective how big baseball is. That Connor McDavid makes twelve point five exactly, <laughs> and baseball could spend that money in the early two thousand. That, uh, that's another crazy little stat that uh, I thought yeah. of. Right? I, have a, I have a funny. Um... My friend, because do you guys remember Kwame Brown in the NBA? Because I'm comparing like basketball. Kwame Brown. So like this guy was horrible. Like, like you know, that's horrible. But like he didn't really live up to his potential. And I remember my friend, like he was mostly a hockey guy. He's laughing. He's like, this guy just got seven million dollars. You know, that guy's like a like at the same time like before the extension uh, before his extension that was like a comparable to like Steven Stamkos. And then he's like, mm-hmm. while wow, you're paying like a top top center. That money to play. Like, Tarasenko back. makes yeah. $75 million. That's a guy who scored 40 goals before. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Like, just these these comparisons. Well, there's Is so there much. There, there's so Is much there? money going around in, 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 in even basketball and baseball than there is in hockey. Mm-hmm. Like, they just throw around money sometimes. I feel like sometimes it just looks like they're just throwing around money for fun. Oh, man. Now that we're on the topic, what do you guys think? Like, I guess from the Moneyball idea, what is your opinion on like hard salary caps? I know that because we're we're mostly NHL guys, but what is your opinion on it? Do you like? I don't like the hard salary cap. No? No. 
I, I, I think there should be a salary cap. I understand the economics behind the salary cap and why it's implemented. <clears throat> but I think it, 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 it would be better. Like you look at how many teams now struggle to <clears throat> stay beyond, to not go above the salary cap. Like I think we talked about it last episode. He, Adam listed like eight teams that were either above or just below the salary cap. Mm-hmm. Why not implement something like, I mean, the NBA is, I guess, the thing with looking at the NBA is that they have all these different things that go into their salary cap that makes it, for for anyone just, like any NHL fan, if you look at the NBA salary cap, I think you'd be confused because there's so many different things that kind of go into it. And I, I'd, I think something like that could be implemented and work in the NHL because the money that is essentially in the luxury tax, right? You're paying yeah. what two to two dollars for every one dollar or whatever, whatever the ratio is. That money ends up going back to the teams who don't make money. Adam, what's your opinion? Yeah, uh, I mean, you have to look at, I look at Toronto as an example, and, and that's a team, you have to look at all the shenanigans that they have to pull off just to be able to work around the salary cap, right? And listen, and they're only one of probably three, 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 four teams that can manage to pull it off, right? And it's exactly what they could do in a scenario like a luxury tax, like you pay all this extra money in that, right? And because they do that anyway, like they're again, we've talked about this multiple times. How there are not many teams in in the league that actually make money, right? And it would just, and the luxury tax system is just such a simple way where you can still let the rich teams spend their money, and it still helps out those poorer teams like the Yotes and that, right? Yeah. And you look at the Panthers right now, and they what they're cutting what was it ten million of salary in that, right? They're not going to have to deal with that issue. What was it? Like a few years ago, they were losing, what was it, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. A day because of how bad things were getting there, right? Maybe an organization would be in better situations. I, I, I 100% agree with the whole thing of we need a luxury tax. And it's it's what people have been saying for years, right? And and, and I, ha- I was having it. This isn't recently. I had a discussion about this with someone a while ago, and they they said they're not. There's no way Gary Bettman implements a um, a soft cap. Uh, so my understanding is because before he was the commissioner of the NHL, he worked in the NBA. I'm not. I don't remember his position off the top of my head. I can pull that up. I'll check. Don't worry. Um, and. And he was kind of there helping out with the implementation of a salary cap in the NBA. And the NHL was the first time he could sit there and say, this is what I want. And he's like, hard cap. And it didn't seem like he was very willing to change. Like, I uh, feel like it's... Me... What? Sorry, do you want me to read his whole history of the NBA? It's only like two, three sentences. Sure. Uh, this is from Wikipedia, so bear with me here. But well, Bettman joined the National Basketball Association in 1981, serving mainly in the marketing and legal departments. 
Batman rose to third in command of the NBA, spending many years as the league's general counsel and senior vice president. Batman played a key role in the development of the soft cap system implemented and agreed by the NBA in 1983, a system it continues to use today, end quote. Yeah, and and doesn't that get you thinking why they, like, it's not that it, like, if you look at the NBA, I mean, it's not like many people... It doesn't seem like it's that big of an issue there. I mean, I guess the mark, the markets, even the lower team markets, I'd have to check, but I can imagine they're making some type of money. In this case scenario, when you have the bottom five teams on your are not making money, having uh, having a luxury tax. Does it not benefit the team? Like, you're getting more money to distribute. Like, think about it. Like, how many teams would go over the cap? Just like a select few, I think. I can imagine five. Toronto, Montreal. Well, they have Mark Bergeron, so maybe not. But Rangers... Possibly. Toronto, Montreal, Rangers, Boston, and Chicago. Uh, maybe not Chicago. Yeah, maybe a few years ago, Chicago. Yeah. Let's say that these top teams are competitive. Montreal, Toronto, Rangers, Boston, Chicago, LA. Those yeah. are the richest in the league. Yeah. Like, that's it. Those are the only teams that are, are potentially going to go over. I could see other teams in the future going over. Like a team like Carolina, maybe. I don't know. Depends on how much money they end up bringing in. But Well, they aren't paying their staff, so. Like. It's true. Like, I think using like a basketball perspective, like only now the last few years the Raptors have been paying the luxury tax. It's because they're winning, right? It makes sense. But for years, like they were always under the cap. Right. I think it, it would make sense in the NHL because it it helps distribute money to the lower teams. It's true. Like I remember that's crazy. Like if you look back to like two thousand five lockout before that when there wasn't really like a salary cap, you saw guys spending like crazy. <clears throat> it's really like people said like that's what kind of doomed the Avalanche. Because like, they could they lost Peter Forsberg, they couldn't pay him. Um, I don't know, like, <clears throat> you see, like, back, or, like, back on the Leafs, that team, remember when they had, like, Owen Nolan, Ron Francis, yeah, well, they're they signing all... D- they had to dump a bunch of salary, because... So... Salary cap. You think, like, <clears throat> if that were to happen, do you think we're still... You know all those deals, like, the Patrick Marlowe trade to Carolina, or even... Like where you you incentivize deals where <clears throat> you give a draft pick to kind of sweeten the pot. Do you think those are going to end or they're going to keep going? Um, I think they well because at the end of even with the soft cap, you do have a hard cap, right? So let's say mm-hmm. let's use the NHL as an example. Right now, it's eighty one and a half. So from eighty one and a half to like I know there'd be in there be like oh from eighty one and a half to eighty three million, it's two to one. 83 to 85, whatever. So let's say 81, the max you can spend is 100. Just throwing a number out there. Right? Mm-hmm. So th- they probably would still happen. 
But if you're a team, I don't know how often. Like, if you're a team like Toronto and you can get back an asset for taking on a crappy contract, and that means mm-hmm. you have to go into the luxury tax, I could see a team, like any of the six teams that we just mentioned, I could see them taking on crappy contracts and getting assets in return for even if they have to go above the so- the soft cap number. Okay. Adam, thoughts? Um... I can't. I remember when I saw that Leafs Patrick Marley Carolina deal. I I just rolled over because I hate I hate that stuff so much. I hate having to give up an asset to get rid of a bad deal like that. I really do. And in the future, I think, man, and, and maybe this is just like the way I'm thinking about. It. I don't know if you mean in this exact sort of frame, but I imagine that the NHL should have some sort. I think with everything going on with the virus and everything getting shut down, how the league is losing billions of dollars, right? Because of their the revenue they're going to lose. I would be really surprised if at the end of this there's not another look at the cap system. Because honestly, I don't know how else you fix what's going to happen. Because what the, the, the big thing that everyone thinks is going to happen is the compliance buyouts, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then that's going to ruin everything because they're then all those players getting complying like bought out are going to flood the market and the value for everyone's just going to go down because there's a surplus of assets, you know, basic economics, all that kind of stuff, right? So I would really hope that, and yeah, how likely is it? I don't really know because I can never tell with the NHL that after the virus cools down and like with this loss of revenue, maybe they look at another way. Of redoing the cap, I don't know, and hopefully maybe the PA would do something about it, but I don't have a lot of faith in it. But I'll, but yeah, I'll say I, I hate deals like the Patrick Marlowe one because I hate having to see, see a team give up an asset just to clear out a bad deal when, let's be honest, they have the money to just deal with it themselves. Like, I don't like it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you going to add something? No. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with Adam in that it... it, it it sucks that teams. I mean, and I don't want to sound like a homo. Like, what's another example of a team doing that? Um, Just a throw. Do you remember? Do you remember when um, Sam Gagne got traded like three times in one day? Yeah. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> poor fella. Because like every team wants to get rid of like that three million cap hit. Uh, where is he now? Isn't he back on Edmonton? I think so. I but he's like in the, he's yeah. in the minors, yeah. Awesome. But he's still getting like million a year. Awesome. Good for him. Um, yeah, like it sucks that like there's teams that can pay these deals. I, I, I don't necessarily think, just I guess to go off of Adams, I don't necessarily think they're going to actually end up redoing it. I'd love for them to redo it. I just think, I, I don't know how likely it is that that's something they now like especially now you think we're going through all this this trouble the um the cba is expiring is expiring i think next season i think so yeah yeah so that that's a whole other complication to deal with with the pa whereas they'd rather just not deal with it They'd say, you know what? Okay, I think they'd rather do a compliance buyout now. Deal with the compliance buyouts now. Mm-hmm. Adam. 
Um, just so you guys know, uh, Sam Gagne, who was, of course, the sixth overall pick in 2007 by the Oilers. Just a quick little little thing from him. Oiler in 2014, then to the Yotes for 14-15, to the Flyers for 15-16, then 16-17 to the Blue Jackets, 17-18 to the Canucks. Remember, at one point he was playing for the Marlies. 18-19 Canucks to the Oilers again, and then at the deadline, I believe, he was traded in the, I believe it was the Athmacy or the, the Green deal. So right wow. now, yes. Donye, the Detroit Red Wings. He signed wow. this deal. Sorry. He signed this deal with the Blue Jackets, right? I, I believe, believe so. Yeah. He was like a power play specialist. Because I remember John Tortorella talking about him. Because yeah. I think John Tortorella was, was coach. I think he was like a lightning for like four hours. Oh, God. Those, those summer deals. The summer? At, oh, yes, yes, yes. In 16-17, they signed him to a one-year deal. I'll check out his cap-friendly oh, detail. Okay. Um, before we keep going with the analytics stuff, sorry, can I just give you guys a, some thoughts from, like, the Moneyball movie before we go on? Yeah, yeah. Just because there's some stuff I – like, I'll go quick fire here. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, first of all, I want to ask you, Daniel, I talked about a bit of this, Valix. Was Billy Bean the Patrick Steffen – of the MLB, Patrick. St- <laughs> I don't know. I guess because like he went so high, mm-hmm. and I, I, don't, player. Think, uh, I like. Okay, that's one thing I actually really liked about it. Um, we talked about it last time about the NCAA players, about whether you sign right away or you go to school. And in his like, that's been something like, I've been thinking about a lot because like it's happening so much more in the NHL. But that whole thing about whether or not you go to college or not but it's like so different in the MLB because like it's either you lose your like that you don't sign and you have to re-enter the draft mm-hmm. it's like it's so clear cut in the MLB so it's like either you go to school or you sign with the team right away or you wait and get drafted again um, but in the NHL like they hold on to your rights throughout your like your whole time in school I think like that's kind of something like oh, that was really interesting and then when you went through like Billy Bean's origin story about what does he do do you take the money or do you go to do you go to Stanford and I love that when he said like that was the last time he was going to make a decision based on money great line um the part where he bought Jonah Hill's character uh can you actually do that in the MLB can you buy executives um okay so like you know there's, there's probably like a lot of background stuff we like we missed because like for the pacing of the movie but <laughs> they probably just negotiated like we'll give you this guy for i don't know like i actually don't know it's just, that part reminds me of seinfeld remember george costanza never like, seen seinfeld okay he tries to like say that like the chicken company is trying to give him more money like than the yankees so the yankees <laughs> propose like a trade where like they trade him in exchange for like exclusive rights to have that chicken at yankee games i was like oh i don't know you know it's like these types of like movies or tv show stories where you don't really know what goes on in the background but i remember for the actual trades and how you tell players you've been traded apparently that's really accurate how billy bean approached it you literally just sit down it, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love I loved those scenes so much. Same with when he got Jonah Hill to do it to the rookie they traded. But yeah. nice depth to his character too. That like there was a bit more. A lot of it, it felt like maybe Jonah was teaching um, Billy Bean stuff. Oh, I don't know why. I don't remember his actual character. So I'm just calling him Jonah Hill. Uh, but also like getting to see him do some more stuff was actually really, really, really cool. Um, 
I love the scene where he first brings Pete in, and then like every that was his name, Pete. I have it on the notes, and he's <sighs> like, "If you don't tell me what I want to hear, I'm gonna point at Pete again." Love that. Um, that was a great scene too. Like that whole like kind of like the old guard of how do you? Base. His yeah. girlfriend's a six, so we shouldn't draft him. I'm like what? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. That seems that seems like the perfect 200 hockey men quote of the year. Oh yeah. Uh, the scene where he goes and he's... I didn't realize what this was, of course, at first, but when he's seeing his ex-wife and the stepfather, yeah. and, uh, and he's like, she's 12 and you gave her a phone? What? I was like, wow, yeah, this is a... Shout out to Brad Pitt for keeping a straight face on there. Uh, I, I wish we had gotten some payoff with the soda. I wanted to see the players see realize that they finally got their free soda. Oh, true, yeah. That I was, was funny. Really <laughs> Um, something I liked because it was a nice mesh of the human side of it and the locker room distraction. How they traded the I can't remember his name, but it was the dude's brother who was Yami, yeah. Yeah. I liked how they got rid of him. It was nice to see the human side of I don't care about the analytics right now, this guy needs to go to the problem. My favorite scene in the movie was the trade deadline. When they're going like we got we got get Buddy on the line. Oh wait, he's on line two. We got this. I love that. Um, we talked about the trade stuff. I love when he has to go and tell the dude that he gets sent down. And then, oh, and then when he sees the guy that's replacing him at the hall, you're like, oh, no, this is tough. That was a great scene. Like, that's kind of something we don't think about either. Like, these guys mm-hmm. that go back and forth to the binders, you know, I guess, like, the mental side of it. Yeah. Who was that goalie? That Was it Mike McKenna? Yes. Who played for, like, yeah. six teams? Yeah. And, yeah. And just my last thing on this, I wanted to ask... Did Haddenberg get that home run in real life? I think so. Because that know. is incredible to me, by the way. That was such a good little scene. Apparently, that like that Chris Pratt had like the mannerisms, the facial expressions of that guy. Apparently, like really, well. I was watching a YouTube thing of it, so like this is why I'm double checking because I only watched a YouTube comment and I saw someone say, "Oh, he did like the facial expressions and all that," right? But I didn't know for sure, so. But uh, again, but... Yeah. how they handled that 20-game win streak and how they, they led up to 19, I was like, are they going to get it? And then he turns back around for the game and they blow an 11-run lead. Yeah. Oh, poor guys. But yeah, that's, sorry, that's all I had to say for the movie. I just wanted to put a little bow because uh, what a fantastic movie, no, Money. Really. Yeah. Really great. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're on like, the stat side of things again. Um, yeah, sorry about that. No worries. I... I know, like, Adam, like, you're kind of, like, wishy-washy on it. And I know, like, Drew Doughty in the past has been, like, he dismisses it completely. It's like he called it crap, all these advanced stats kind of things. He, so What do you guys think? Here's the thing on, advan- on advanced stats. It's like, I don't understand half of it. That's the that's one thing. There's, like, certain ones I understand were, like, relative coursey. I know, like, if you're above 45% or above 55%, you're considered an elite player. Yeah. So for uh, me, it's like I understand that there's two sides to there's two sides to it, right? You uh, you have your um, your statistics, and you also have the the eye the eye test or the human element element to it. And I think what I think a lot of people or teams or executives have trouble with is it's taking a mix of both of them. What's the right amount of both of it? 
both of them because they're both you at the end of the day yes statistics are useful for telling you something and the eye test is important in telling you something too and the actual human element so yeah like i guess what uh, the guy said in the movie was really stupid in that oh his girlfriend's a six we shouldn't draft him like, yeah, that's stupid. I think there's certain human elements. And you know who talks about it a lot is Brian Burke. I swear, every time they talk yeah. about the draft, they talk about the the combine interviews or the interviews they do in general. And you can get a lot out of a player in doing those interviews. And the one he always brings up is um, is the Andre Svechnikov story. Yeah. Him being uh, – he played in Barry in the OHL and uh, – he asked Andre what, uh, where he worked out, and he said across the street, and uh, and he and Jeff Merrick is like, why did you, <laughs> why did you ask him that? And he goes, because Barry's the only gym in the o, uh, arena in the OHL to not have a gym in the arena, and apparently players will BS it and say they train in the arena when they there's no gym <sighs> in the arena. So I I find that's that. There's like I think there's many variables when it comes to how successful a player will be, and I think it's a matter of finding a mix of all of them to actually mm-hmm. value a player. And Definitely, I, I agree with that. And, and, and I think that's for I I I'm gonna say this about Toronto. I think that's something I can only talk about Toronto because that's the team I know the most about. I'm not trying to be a homer at all. I'm just. The team, like I, Adam can probably tell me something about Mark Bergevin too. Uh, Daniel, you can tell me something about Bob Murray. <laughs> I think what uh, the Leafs do well at is looking at the statistics, but a lot or sometimes they look too much at statistics. In certain know, like- players, like you really have to bring in. Like I get, it's important to bring in. This is see. This is another thing. They bring in the cheap NHL forwards, and they sometimes they work out. Like Ilya Mikheyev worked out, mm-hmm. right? Like this guy they're talking to, Barabanov, he could work out. I don't know, but he's a cheap f- forward, which is what the team needs. So I think sometimes they rely too much. Like Cody CC is the perfect bad example. Where they say, you know what, we see something. And I'm like, what the hell do you see in Cody Cece? Some I heard someone said something about his underlying stats. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. But that's not good enough for me. For sure. Ran, random point is, that's why Martin Marincin tends to come in here and there. Like, mm-hmm. he has pretty advanced stats. <laughs> yes. I hear that about Martin Marincin. I'm like, man, you need to stop talking. You just sound crazy. <laughs> Just watch him play. Well, watch the moment the puck touches a stick, and I think you'll realize why Marmarinson isn't an NHL player. He's a mm-hmm. seventh defenseman. So not a, not an NHL regular. No, no, no. I know, I know. I'm on your side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know. If you use NHL twenty uh, examples, what are what is he on the binoculars, guys? Oh, he's uh, seventh D, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, how about you? What do you think? On, uh... Sorry, Adam, Alex, you were going to no, say something? No, 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 no. Um, Adam, what do you think, I guess, like, stats-wise, on, on the approach that, I guess, the Canadians may have? 
See, that's really weird because I've always I've looked at it and I've never really looked at the halves and thought like, man, this guy's numbers are trash. Why is he playing? Well, since Alsner got you know thrown into the bin, Brett Kulak's a defenseman that Mark Dumont's always just raved about his his advanced numbers. He's a guy who's had top four minutes this time. I don't need to tell you about Shea Weber. Jeff Petrie's a defenseman who was the puck a lot, but he's always the top of giveaways in that. But again, 40 points from a defenseman, you look at that. Arturi Lekkonen's a player that gets put in a lot of good positions. You look at his numbers. So yeah, the Habs, I think the problem the Habs is, the Habs have is, yeah, they've got some great, you know, you know, analytical players. They're, they're just missing some stars and some real talent. So there's, there's not a lot to complain about with Montreal there, but... Uh, for, so one player, I, I guess, going on the Canadians one there, the one player that stands out in, like, I don't know what he is, is Ben Sherratt. And, like, I, like I've seen people talk about him, and I've read mixed reviews about his stats, like his underlying statistics. But, like, when you talk to me about Ben Sherratt, like, watching him play is different than what people say about his stats. Man, he's a weird player. Originally, I remember when they when they signed him, people said he's not an upgrade from Jordy Ben, who had just left and signed a weird deal with Vancouver. What a surprise! Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of people saying that our coach loved him, and he logged so many minutes of the top pair with Dustin Bufflin, right? And he comes to Montreal, and there were days when when Montreal wanted a more heavy sort of lineup, they would put him with Shea Weber, right? And if at the, the longer the season went on, the more he became a regular partner. I think he he, he was going to have 10 goals at the end of this year. And he was playing really, really well. It was no one understood. Like Andrew Berkshire, we all know, is a massive analytical guy. Does a lot of stuff for the Habs. Mark Dumont as well from The Athletic. All just don't understand what Ben Chirot is because the numbers say that he's not a great defenseman. But for some reason, since getting to Montreal, something's just changing him. I don't know what it is. And I, I, I will... I'll admit, I kind of forgot Ben Sherrod existed for a bit because I've just been so on a little But he's such an example of like, he's kind of like you look at, I think Steven Stamkos was a player that people looked at like shooting percentage-wise and said, he's just proving everything wrong. Now, Ben Sherrod is not Steven Stamkos. But he's just a player that I look at and I just, I think, what is, something's wrong with you. I don't know what you are, but you're doing the good things and I'm not going to complain about it. But again, right. what's the thing with Ben Chirot? He should be a complimentary piece, a good depth defense, but not playing in the top four, right, top right. two. So, yeah. Inflated 21 points. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll, hey, I'll take 10 goals from the defenseman any day. Victor Mete not getting a lot of goals, guys. Yeah, he got three this year, but uh, hey. <laughs> could have used them last year, buddy. Won't lie. I, I guess we kind of skip past this point because you brought it up and I, I accidentally changed the sub- subject. Uh, we were talking about Drew Doughty. God, he's uh, so talking. And I think this is something since we're talking about analytics, we might as well bring this up. And and, and I think Adam and I we talked about it. Uh, the athletic player poll came out, and there was a question about the about if players look at analytics or not. And there was kind of more leaning towards I think no. Mm-hmm. So Drew Doughty saying they're crap, I understand. I, I understand why he's probably one of the guys who's like, hell no, I'm not looking at the stats. Like I already know what I am. It 
it, do you think it would be good for players to part even? I'm not saying, and I think this is something that is kind of gets mixed up with the whole analytics versus eye test debate is when I say look at this analytics, I'm not saying look just at the analytics. I'm saying look mm-hmm. at the analytics and yes, okay, go watch video. Like I assume most NHL players watch their their own video. Like they have the, most teams have iPads on the benches and you see it from at least watching the Toronto games. Both teams go back even when they're on the bench, and watch certain plays. So I, I don't see why it's an issue for players to go look at statistics. Yeah. I think... I kind of like... Sorry, go ahead, Daniel. Oh, no. Like, I think it just, for me, what I kind of felt like Drew Daddy's, I guess, like, when it comes to, like, these kind of, like, underlying, like, he's kind of, like, in a certain tier where that whole, like, superstardom right. is already, it's already evaluated and you already know, like, yeah, you said, you know what you're getting with him. Um, also, like, he came from, like, the 2008 draft, right? It was before, like, this whole stats thing was, it was became on the rise. I think for guys coming in now, like, how they're going to be analyzed is that there's more of that balance now. But I think it just, from Drew Doughty's perspective, he comes from, I guess, like, more than 10 years ago of how these guys were being evaluated. For me... Okay, so here's my thing. It's like, for me, I look at the stats. Like, if I, someone had to explain Corsi to me, I'd probably be clueless half the time. Like, I, they'd need to dumb it down. Like, you know, in um, in The Office, in uh, the surplus episode, Michael goes, explain to me like explain to me like I'm five. Yeah. That's how you'd have to explain everything to me. Mm-hmm. Like, anything analytic. Like, what the hell is Corsi? Explain it to me like I'm five. Mm-hmm. Right, so I can imagine players have the same issues. Like when you're 16 and you're you just got into the OHL, you think they're telling you about Corsi? Probably yeah. not. You're gonna need someone to dumb it down for you. And, and I think people can do that. Like people have the ability to say, okay, <laughs> this is what Corsi is. This is how you improve Corsi. That's what you tell the coach. Like I think a lot like a coach a GM like I think Kyle Dubas and John Chaika are kind of exceptions because that's how they kind of um, I guess grew up in a sense in like this is how their models are based around analytics but how many teams now have analytical departments I think all of them but Anaheim or is it Edmonton one of either one of those teams I'm not sure which one do you think the GM that hired them knows everything about analytics? Or do you think the analytical department explains it, dumbs it down for the GM? I think, like, kind of dumbs it down to a certain extent. But, like, Probably. I think... Yeah. So why can't the players, like, say, okay, this is your stats, and someone says, this is what that means... That's I don't true. see why that's an issue. Yeah, you're right. There should, and yeah, that should be the job of an analytics department. It's just is to dumb it down, you know. Like you're teaching, I don't know, multiplications to a to a grade, I don't know, grade four. Is that when we learned how to do division? I don't remember. I don't 
I get if a player doesn't really want to like. If, I, I, and this is the argument, Daniel. I don't know if you've listened to this episode. I think me and Alex have talked about this before. I said, could you imagine if you're a guy like, let's say, I'm Alex Petrangelo, right? Um, I've got triplets as of last was it last year, year before. Um, you know, I'm the captain of the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, I've got a family life, you know, I got to keep in shape. I've got team meetings, which, you know, that's probably where your analytics should be. But, you know, I'm probably looking at, um, I'm looking at lots of game footage, all this kind of stuff, practices, all this kind of stuff is just built, you know, the travel, normal athlete life, all this busy stuff. And also I'm in a contract here. I think a player would look at it and said, listen, I've got enough on my plate. <laughs> Why do yeah. I need to sit down and be like, so... The team save percentage is only a 907 when you're in the ice. Yeah. I make a, a team save percentage joke because Justin Falk notoriously has a very bad save percentage when he's on the ice, or his team does when he is on the ice. That was a big yeah. issue in Carolina. Uh-huh. So I think that's just where I see but, it from players. But they go uh, to practice, right? Yeah. And what do you think they work on at practice? They do drills. How to get better. Yeah. So if if the analytic if if this is this is how I mean I know nothing about running a hockey team. The only experience I have running a hockey team is thanks to the NHL video game. So that's my minimal zero like maybe 0.01% knowledge of running a hockey team. Um my my guess is that they'd work together. Like the coach is if if I go to the coach, I'm an analytics department and say this is the area we need to improve in. This is what the stats are telling me. I don't expect the players to look directly at the stats. I expect the analytical department to explain this is where we are suffering. What are the analytics telling me? I'm not saying <clears throat> I'm not saying Drew Doughty needs to go look at Corsi needs to go look at save percentage or whatever he has to look at. But I, I'd say I'd expect the analytical department to say, hey, um, the stats are saying we're not doing well in the neutral zone, let's say, in breakouts. Can you do, like, let's work, I think that's something you should work on. And then the coach works on breakouts, right? So, uh-huh. like, it all works together. Like, it's a it's a machine. That's for that's my thing. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, no, what, looking at the stats is an extra thing, but looking at the stats... And improving yourself, you think Alex Petrangelo improves himself? So he doesn't make more money. I mean, I don't know what, uh, what's wrong with Alex Petrangelo. Probably not a whole lot. But I'm just saying, like that's the uh-huh. clear example you gave me. I think it's fair. Yeah, no, you you've got a point. You've got a point. I'm just saying, like, as a scenario, like, my argument is, like, if a player has enough going on, like, yeah. why do I also be like, 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 I know, I remember this one video, and it was just, like, two Habs players messing around. It was someone else and Paul Byron. Yeah. And I remember one line, Paul Byron made a joke of, oh, yeah, I'm a Corsi god. <laughs> right? All right? So somebody's telling the Habs what they're doing, but are they taking it as serious? Do you? I think that's another issue I think organizations are going to have is you need a player to take it seriously, right? Right. And uh, I mean, hey, just Paul like, Byron got a contract. Just so. like you need to take the coronavirus seriously. Please stay inside. Yes. Yes. I look at stats. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> stay inside and look at stats, guys. Mm-hmm. Stay safe. 
Hey, Daniel. Yes. Do you know what we're doing for Bizarre Adventures next week? What are we doing? Well, no, it's your turn to pick. Oh, yes, Bizarre Adventures. Um, if not, I have an idea. You have an idea? Okay, I was thinking... I wanted to stick with the uh, sports thing, because like, we haven't done a hockey one, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking Miracle, but I don't know how we're get any of us are going to be able to get, find that right now. I mean... I think we can find a way. Okay. Even so, proposed like, idea. Yeah. I don't know. I started. I started reading so much on like, for some reason, like the Soviet Union's hockey program in the seventies. I've never watched a hockey movie in my life. I haven't You've seen Slapshot. I haven't seen any of the Mighty Duck movies. Wait, wait, I've never wait, wait, watched wait. a single. You've never ho- seen Goon. Nope. That's alright. You want to watch Goon? That's not hockey. an actual hockey movie. It's you said not Miracle. Not on it's ice. hilarious. It's not that good. All right, so this is my proposed one. If okay. Miracle Miracle on Ice, mm-hmm. um, if we can't find that, there's we could do a combination one, which I know that's kind of crazy because I just know they're both on Netflix. Okay. So Goon, Dude. but then we watch, <laughs> but then we watch Ice Guardians. It's like oh, I've seen a doc- Ice Guardians. Yeah. Yeah. So like we do the one and two. <laughs> we'll just do the. One. So we keep the narrative. Adam's but, gonna hate you know, Goon. Adam's not gonna find Goon funny. Why? I don't of, know uh, if it's your sense of sense of humor. Why is that? What's it like? No, it's very hockey, like tough guy. It's <laughs> it's very stupid funny. This is the uh, the two thousand. Wait, wait. What's the is the movie Miracle two thousand four? Yes. Okay. Adam will find it. Yeah. No. They don't. Don't worry. I uh. You forget, I watch a lot of anime, and a lot of anime is hard to find. So there are, I know, um, how do I put this? Um, I, listen, I, I can, listen, put Locker 1, 2, 3 movies, people. That's oh all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm right. off Locker right now. Great. Those Great. are the proposed ideas, I guess, those yeah. three movies, or sure. those two in a doc. Sounds good. Yeah. Then, um, what? Doing for the next episode of the normal pod, the retro review. Yes, That's what it's the Olympic review. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So what we're gonna do? We want to look at the NHLPA player polls then as well. Sure. Yep. All right. I have my lines for Team Canada. If you want a sneak peek, a teaser for next episode for the people. Just uh, your fourth line. Just my my fourth line. Okay. Yeah. I had so many players. Like my defense, I just. No, I don't, I don't know if you guys are going to agree with my defense, but Probably my, first, my fourth line is Jonathan Taves, Steven Stamkos, and Braden Point. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's a good team. So, and I'll give you my third pair just because uh, my third pair is Mark Edward Vlasic and Dougie Hamilton. Uh, okay. I thought you were going to say for the fourth, like Brendan Gallagher, uh, Jonathan Drouin, like oh Phil Deno. <laughs> and if I put Brendan Gallagher over Steven Stamkos or Braden Point, I don't think I could look at myself in the mirror. The point that you want, I don't even want to get into it now. What? I can't believe you put Mark Edward Vlasic. Why? He had one bad year. Yeah, he had one bad year, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. He's no, it's Mark 35. Edward Vlasic. 
And look at the sharks in their entirety. You're telling me there's not one. He doesn't. This is six line. This is this is. This is six defenseman bottom pairing Mark Edward Vlasic. This is the guy who's been to the Olympics for. You're telling me you're not going to get the Vlasic thing yes. another? Are you I'm not me? putting Vlasic on my team. Then give me a uh, give me a Canadian left-handed no. defenseman put in over Mark Edward Vlasic. No, not right There's now. There's not out there. I'll give you. Su- I'll give it to you on Sunday. It's him or Ryan Suter that are there. Ryan Suter. Over Ryan Mark Edward Vlasic. Is he American? What? Yeah, Ryan Suter's American. Hold on a minute. Get your nationality straight. Ryan Suter. Hold on a minute. I'm pretty sure he's American. Yeah, but... But, Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. Where the hell did I get that from? Thanks, Daniel. Wait a minute. Cat Friendly is... Cat Friendly is messing with me, then. Probably. I swear to God, I looked up Ryan Suter, and there was a Canadian flag. Nope. Like, I was like, I'm pretty... Pretty sure he played like for the U.S. the last two Olympics. <laughs> oh, don't tell me I was looking at at Brandon Suter and Brandon Sutter. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was. Whoops, Daisy. That's funny. Guys, I want to talk about my Olympic lines now. No, that's next episode. I'm just gonna read it then. We don't have to no, argue. No, I'm gonna stop recording. No. I'm gonna Kale McCarr is my seventh defenseman. You gave away too much now. See, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Daniel, end the episode before he starts talking. Hey guys, this was fun. Uh, great talk on analytics, money ball, all that stuff. I hope to host this again one day soon, but remember, I just enjoy being on the show. Yeah. Make sure So you ch- you want my job, but you just don't want to say it outright. Uh, make sure, sure. To, yeah. Yeah, make sure to check out uh, the links in the description, our social medias, uh, the YouTube page, the Instagram page. Make sure to check out Adam's in, uh, YouTube page. Are you still putting up videos? Uh, okay. Not right now because I have nothing to talk about, but uh, I might. I might do a video about my Olympic lineup just because I really want to talk about it. You should do Wait, old games. Days. 1993, game Ma- set. Uh, make sure to subscribe. If you haven't already, leave a review. Let us know what you want to talk about. Have any comments? Throw them down in the review section. We might read them. How about you tell us about how Mark Edward Vlasic should be a Canadian Olympian? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. See you guys on Sunday.